Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. We do have Chris Spatola, our only free-for-all Friday guest of the day. He drops by in 30 minutes live from ESPN. Big weekend in college basketball looking forward. Big week looking backward. Duke and State and Carolina and Wake all in much, much, much different places as we're nearing the home stretch of the College Hoops regular season. The NBA All-Star Weekend is here. Festivities start tonight with the Celebrity Game and the Rising Stars Challenge. Baseball's Astros scandal. NC State versus the NCAA, a scandal of a different kind, was part of the conversation early this week. Gary in Wilson wants to discuss how the NCAA and Congress have been talking about the future of college sports. He is a, pre, he is a former college sports administrator in his own right. Week two of XFL action awaits us. A great lineup at Riviera for, on the PGA Tour. The Canes are on home ice and out of the playoff picture just slightly, at least for now, although they've played fewer games than a couple of the teams that they are chasing. The Daytona 500 is on Sunday evening. Kyle Busch is one of the favorites in that race, despite the fact that he has never won it. He is hoping to cross off his checklist, one of the only things that he has never won in his NASCAR career. 1-800-849-2761. Remember, you do not have to ask a question or comment about any of those things that we have brought to the table. You can steer us elsewhere in the sports universe. I even have some Valentine's Day questions awaiting my response if we get to those. Phone calls are the priority. Gary is in Wilson. Eli is in Sanford. And they're calling from the mountains and the beaches and everywhere you'd want to live in between. You can be next by dialing that number, 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts on the weekend to come after your calls. Gary is in Wilson and next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Good afternoon, David. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, man. Uh, I am enough of a sports nut that I watch on C-SPAN uh, testimony in Congress relative to the name, image, and likeness situation wow. with college student-athletes. And I was very concerned about the types of questions and the lack of knowledge demonstrated by the congressman as they question, among others. Uh, that doesn't surprise me, by the way. That does that does not surprise me at all. And, and by the way, that's not a shot at Congress, although I have plenty of shots at plenty of them for a lot of valid reasons. It is impossible to be an expert on everything, right? So if you're a member of Congress and you've got a hundred different issues you're studying and trying to plow through, and this NCAA name, image, likeness conversation comes up, you're not going to be an expert 99 times out of 100, and you might even be clueless a significant percentage of the time. So, yeah, I, I get – I'm not surprised at their clueless questions. The best I read on the situation, and you can tell me more, Gary – is that most members of Congress were implying or, stay, or stating to the NCAA, we are not solving your problem for you. In other words, you need to put out a proposal on your own without Congress giving you the protection of our power and our blessing. The NCAA wants certainty, right? And if they'll get Congress to adopt some leg legislation that says, okay, there's going to be this cap 
on these college athletes benefiting financially to this degree on this name image likeness issue. Otherwise, they're not going to be considered an amateur anymore, and the NCAA doesn't have to consider them an amateur. The NCAA is looking for legal cover, and Congress is powerful enough that whereas they can't make a law that's you know unconstitutional, they can make a lot of otherwise illegal things legal through their legislation. Again, as long as they're not violating the Constitution with some other tweaks from my law school days. But, uh, Gary, did you get that same impression that Congress seemed very hesitant to step in legislatively? And basically, I, I, kept, hearing, I kept hearing them tell Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, hey, figure this out on your own, come up with a proposal, and then we'll tell you what we think of it. Uh, yes, I would, I would agree with your summary, David. Um, but it still left me, uh, from my perspective, uh, feeling that uh, Congress would be better served by uh, more attention to other national needs and indeed allowing the athletic administrators themselves to find solutions. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. Uh, government does not need to be in everybody's nitty-gritty in a lot of different contexts, and this is one of them. Again, the NCAA's motivation is they're looking for legal, legal cover, and it doesn't look like they're going to get it, and they're going to have to come up with a proposal that bothers them. They don't want to go too far down this road. You all know the deal. They don't want the star athlete to be making so much money because he's now allowed to strike an endorsement deal that has him on, you know, whatever billboards next to the highway or on whatever commercials, et cetera. They don't want to open the door for that you might as well be a professional athlete to still be on a college roster. And they're under pressure to open this door that allows for this new income. And they're really not bothered by smaller dollars. Oh, the local tractor company wants to pay you $5,000 to show up and do autographs and maybe appear, you know, on the billboard in front of their tractor place. Yeah, there's room for corruption there, and that worries the NCAA, but they're not worried about the smaller dollars. They're worried about a lot of things, but one of them is the essentially professional athlete in the college locker room, and they're worried about, to be candid about it, Big boosters channeling money that previously has been going to athletic departments into the pockets of prospects in their families, right? If I lean on you for X amount of your donation to this or that, you know, the Wolfpack Club, the Iron Dukes, the Rams Club, et cetera, the Deacon Club, and now you're just going to help buy, <laughs> buy players. Say, if you come here, uh, you, it's not allowed to be a recruiting inducement, by the way. Even when the NCAA adopts this stuff, that would still be illegal. But good luck separating fact from fiction. When money starts filling pockets, good luck figuring out, you know, what is a legitimate business transaction and what is really, well, if you come here, wink, wink, my tractor company will put you on that billboard, wink, wink, and at that point we'll be able to pay you this amount, wink, wink. Don't be dumb enough to put it down on paper. You know, don't be dumb enough to channel it through, you know, Orlando early like NC State basketball did in the Dennis Smith Jr. case. I mean, you got to let boosters be boosters even when it comes to this point. But 
the NCAA is trying to find a happy medium, and they feel like they need Congress's help to get there. Jeff is in Raleigh and wants to steer us back to baseball. It is Free For All Friday. Welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Uh, First-time caller, uh, also a transplant Philadelphian. Oh, cool. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. As a matter of fact, I took my dad to the, uh, the Steve Carlton uh, World Series uh, clinching game in 1980. Oh, my gosh. So, I was there. I was there with my dad, except he took me. You're, you're the better I son, was, I guess. I was in the left field bleachers. I, I don't know. I didn't see you there. but I was, I was behind home plate so high up, I'm not kidding you, that I could barely see the field. It was the old veteran stadium, and yep. w- we call it the 700 level. I'm telling you, I'm spoiled as a member of the media, obviously. I had no idea my life would take this turn. But it, it is almost impossible to see a sporting event from farther away than I was as a 12-year-old with my dad watching the Phillies win the clinching game of the 1980 World Series. I can still picture Tug McGraw striking out Willie Wilson of the Kansas City Royals. But, I mean, you borderline needed binoculars to be where I was. I mean, I guess you could be in, like, you know, the Carrier Dome or something where you get a, a partially hidden seat behind a barrier or something. For you know, in a football venue that's where they're playing a basketball game, maybe that's as far. But uh, man, that's a great memory. I'm glad you were there to experience what I still to this day call one of my favorite memories as a sports fan in my entire life. It was a surreal scene with the, with the police on horseback. Yes. Cleaning. Yes. Yep. yep. So I, I, the reason why I'm calling is about the Astros. Okay. And uh, and and the first thing that, that came to mind when I heard about uh, about what they did was I was thinking about uh, the Olympics or any track and field event where someone is deemed to have cheated and yep. expunged the record. Yep. Um, do you feel like that, that Major League Baseball should go that far? I would have no problem with it. Now, I think I'm in the minority. I don't know where you fall on this. Uh, I'll tell you this. Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, was specifically asked this question, and I don't have his full answer in front of me, but I remember a very specific phrase. And you all know the deal. In college sports, for example, just like Jeff's examples from the Olympics or other events, in college sports, you know, Louisville's 2013 NCAA basketball title became the first in that sport ever to be stripped like by NCAA rules, they had to bring that banner down. They are not allowed to fly that banner. Now, we all know that Rick Pitino and the Cardinals won the NCAA tournament that year. Like, we know that it happened. Those players won those games by those scores against those opponents. Of course, we know it happened. Now, many fans, and I don't blame you. I get, I get your point of view if you roll your eyes at this. You say, well, if we all know it happened, what is the purpose really? What is the weight of vacating a victory, vacating in that context the national championship, vacating the Olympic gold medal or something like that. Well, I get it. it. It's not. It still happened. Those, you know, Luke Hancock is a guest of ours as a college basketball analyst. He hit those shots, right? He was the most outstanding player at the Final Four as his team, Louisville, won it all. Like, he will go all the way to his grave talking about being a member of the national championship team. But it's like an asterisk, right? We know it happened, but Louisville's not allowed to hang the banner. They're not allowed to call it a national title in the record books. The NCAA record books have an asterisk and say it was a vacated champion, etc. Fortunately, there are not too, too many of those in college sports. 
But whereas I get the point of the skeptics, the, those who shrug their shoulders and roll their eyes, I still want the stain to be visible. If you cheat that badly, I want the stain to be visible. And Louisville's cheating was one way, and PED use is another way, and Lance Armstrong's you know, Tour de France victories were another way, and of course they were vacated, right, or however they choose to do that in cycling. Rob Manfred of baseball said, among other things, we will honor the long tradition in baseball of not trying to change what happened. And of course he is raising a fair point. It is a Pandora's box, right? All right, what, how many home runs do we take away from Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa or Barry Bonds, right? What do we do with Roger Clemens' ERA? Again, some of these guys have not admitted what they did, but the evidence is clear. What are you going to do? So in terms of player statistics, I get it. There's just there's no right way to do it. You can't tell how many of those would have happened without PDs. What are you going to do, zero out Barry Bobby or uh, – uh, Barry Bonds home run total you're just going to zero it out because you can't tell how many he hit before he started juicing or whatever there might be a scientific formula someday well these only went this far over the home run fence so we're going to take them away and these he really crushed and he would have hit those whether he was on steroids or not I mean of course it gets ridiculous when it comes to team titles I don't think Rob Manfred's approach is as crystal clear I get why you don't want, again, he calls it the baseball longstanding tradition of not trying to change what happened. That is his reason for not vacating the Houston Astros 2017 World Series title. I understand that as a starting point, but I think team victories where proven cheating is beyond any doubt, I think that is different than trying to play an impossible game involving home runs or ERAs and stuff like that. So, Jeff, I don't know if you jo- you agree with me on this, but I'm telling you, most fans just think the whole thing is so ridis- ridiculous that they're kind of tired of asterisks and, and don't want to go down that road. I, I guess I just feel like certain individuals are paying a price, but organizationally what, what's happened with the asterisk really other than, you know, than, than people like you and I who – who have a hard time with, with their explanations and, and, and all that. But I think organizationally, there has to be a price to pay. Well, you know the, what they'll say. They'll say, we fired our general manager. They'll say, we fired our field manager. Those are two of the more important people in the organization. Uh, but this came up earlier this week. You we may have not have been listening that day. We, we ultimately came to the conclusion how rare it is that a team owner has anything taken away from him in professional sports, right? Donald Sterling was forced to sell the, 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 the old Clippers and because of, you know, the racism t- stuff and those details and the tape recordings, et cetera. There are not many examples like that if we looked at the history, or it's certainly my lifetime, the modern history of baseball, hockey, NFL, NBA, there, there are all sorts of egregious things that happen, some of them with the knowledge of the owner of the team. And, man, you know why they hesitate? Because the owners get to make most of the rules. And the commissioner in any sport usually works for the owners. So if all the decision makers are making the rules, they're not going to make a rule that allows a team owner, except in really, really narrow circumstances like Donald Sterling, they're not going to make rules – uh, that, that allow you to easily take things from own owners. Baseball rules, best I understand it, allow for the possibility to 
how, whatever, vacate the season, whatever terminology you want to put it, on the 2017 Houston Astros. Mom, Rob Manfred is on the record for why he chose not to go down that road. And again, I understand those who disagree, but I want to be able to remember who cheated and who didn't. And some of you just think, well, everybody cheats. It's only a matter of degree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that, I don't think that's a fair assessment. I've been around long enough in college sports, for example, which I've covered a lot more closely than the casual fan offering his or her opinion at a cocktail party. And I can promise you there are schools and coaches and programs that do their very best to stick to the serious rules. And there are others that just don't care and hope they don't get caught. So to paint them all with a broad brush is just patently unfair and an inaccurate view of reality, as I've lived that reality for 30-plus years as a professional journalist. So I'm not okay with painting with the broad brush because I know otherwise. I am okay with asterisks. I know it doesn't solve all ills. I get it. But I think those who do great things legitimately should be remembered differently than those who accomplish great things illegitimately. And a little asterisk is better than nothing at all. 1-800-849-2761. Chris Patola on College Hoops in about 15 minutes. Right back to your free-for-all Friday questions, comments, and complaints. We're trying to make the world a little, better, a little bit of a better place. Valentine's Day and otherwise, you can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. The lines are lit up across North Carolina. We love that on Free For All Friday. We are halfway to Margaritaville. We do have a fantastic weekend awaiting us as sports fans. College basketball near and afar. NBA All-Star Weekend in Chicago. The return of the XFL for week two, if that's your thing. Josh Norman and Cam Newton among the NFL headlines this week, Josh has been cut by the Washington Redskins. Ron Rivera called him personally this morning, his former coach with the Panthers, of course, to let him know that the Washington franchise wanted to save that $12 million plus in cap space. So Josh Norman becomes a free agent once again. The Astros and other baseball, Tiger Woods and other golf, the Hurricanes on home ice, the Daytona 500 on Sunday night. Kyle Busch among our guests. Chris Spatola is our only guest today. The ESPN College Hoops commentator and former Army basketball star will drop by later this hour. Right now, Todd in Swansboro wants to lead us back to college sports. Matt in Durham has a great point. If you do vacate the Houston Astros title, and you plow into some of the other ugly pages of baseball history. What other titles would have to be vacated? As I said, of course you are opening a can of worms that is becomes a complicated place to draw lines. There's no doubt about it. Do you treat organizational misbehavior differently than players-only misbehavior? It's kind of like uh, the difference at the college level. Most people believe that if an athletic director or a head coach is involved in the wrongdoing, you know, paying a player or whatever. That's even worse than some booster secretly figuring out a way to give somebody the secret $100 handshake or whatever. Of course, the, the higher in the ranks it goes, the worse the penalty should be. But that doesn't mean the Houston Astros World Series title would be the only one vacated. Baseball, again, is not going down that road. But 
their rules would allow it. They're just choosing not to go down that road, in part because it would be so complicated to decide who else has to have the asterisk. Todd is in Swansboro, North Carolina. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Hey, DG. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man, and I actually love your question. You, you can even chime in with part of the answer on your own because this is a great news answer. A lot of times people ask me my, my opinion, and I'm like, man, I don't want to ruin your Friday. I don't want to ruin your weekend. But the truth is your Team A or Team B is pretty lousy, and you're not going to be good this year. Go ahead with your question, Todd. Well, uh, as an ECU alum and avid, diehard, rabid part of the Pirate Nation, um, baseball has been what we have been championing, yeah. so to speak, for the last, uh, well, for quite a while, but especially the last three or four years. We, we have knocked on that, on that Omaha door on a, a number of occasions. We just haven't been able to break it down yet, and... I think that Coach Godwin has stepped in and done one heck of a job. Agree. He is a much, much sought-after Division One baseball coach. Uh, his his lineage with Ole Miss, et cetera, and he has been offered uh, numerous jobs and has turned them down, yeah. being a Snow Hill guy and an ECU guy and a Coach LeClaire guy, for those of you that yep. are familiar with that story. He is someone that is uh, is a true pirate, and I just am excited. Baseball kicks off for the Pirate Nation today, and it's it, I, you know, obviously like everyone else, um, you know, you have the utmost uh, expectations. It's the first game of the year. Uh, spirits are high, and I just wanted to get your take on how you see them um, playing this season out as as number of players have moved on uh some of the best hitters we've ever had yeah in history have moved on um but we still have a, a few uh a few irons in the fire as far as good athletes go and just wanted to get your take on on how you see this season season rather uh, playing itself out and progressing yeah and i'll broaden your question because we have a statewide audience it's all good news because just to narrowly answer the ECU question, I could tell you three really good things. To broaden it, the baseball, the college baseball preseason rankings that I have seen from the people that I trust the most, you know, and we have Cliff Godwin as a guest on our show, Elliot Avent from NC State, Mike Fox from UNC, and all the rest as they well populated the NCAA tournaments of recent years, right? So we love when we have great teams in any sport in our backyard. Those I trust most on college baseball, plus my own eyeball test and knowing who's back from these teams from last year, have, ready for this, Duke, State, Carolina, Wake, and ECU all ranked in the preseason top 25 in college baseball. I'm telling you, man, that doesn't happen very often for any state in any sport. Those four ACC schools, plus ECU is considered the best of the American Athletic Conference, probably not only as a team, but maybe even as a program more broadly. Cliff Godwin's a lot of fun as a guest. He's a smart guy. He's a tough guy. Wasn't he like an academic All-American in, in college, but also a great baseball player? Just a unique combination of intellect and toughness and, and uh, leadership and all the other things that you would want. So ECU's in the preseason top 25 as they get underway. Uh, the four, all four in-state ACC schools, and beyond those four, Louisville, Miami, Florida State, and Georgia Tech. So other teams we also follow, you know, in ACC country, in air quotes. 
that's what, like nine of the top 25 right there? So we've got whatever waiting for us come March Madness. It is not a vintage college basketball year here in our backyard, to say the least, right? Duke's going to be a high seed. Maybe NC State makes the NCAA tournament. We'll see. Maybe a Wes Miller and UNC Greensboro wins a conference championship. Maybe somebody else does it, Lavelle Moten at NC Central or their rivals at A&T in the MEAC. We're going to have some teams there, but we're not going to have as many as we usually do. That's just the bottom line with Carolina down and Wake down and State on the bubble. And really, I don't think there's anybody besides the MEAC. I don't think there's another league where one of our state's teams is the leader. College baseball, throw all what I just all that negativity and mediocrity out the window. We may end up being the center of the college baseball universe, and, and that is something I celebrate. Uh, to Todd's question, too, ECU is a school that he would know even better than I, but I've gotten to know it for 30 years. My own son actually texted me during the course of today's show uh, from Greenville talking about some sports-related matters. And they're excited about baseball right now. They are also excited about Mike Houston's rebuilding project. Now, they, of course, as expected, were not great right away as an incredibly accomplished coach takes over. If baseball is 1B at ECU in the culture, every school has a different culture. You know, Florida State and Clemson are football first. Duke and Carolina are basketball first cultures. I think ECU, you know, I defer to Pirate Nation if they disagree, but from the outside and as the father of a pirate it feels like football is 1a and has been for a long time very good steve logan teams and skip holtz teams and uh, others early in my career they even had a top 10 national season at uh, in greenville in college football baseball from coach leclaire through coach godwin and otherwise to me is the 1b of that athletic department and football has been down lately so the Pirates in baseball have kind of been carrying the flag for the whole athletic department. Joe Dooley has them moving in the right direction in basketball, but it's going to take a while probably. Again, the Pirates host Cincinnati tomorrow, or Sunday rather, at Minji's Coliseum. Get there if you can. A shot at one of the best basketball teams in the AAC for Jalen Gardner and the Pirates. Uh, but football's on the upswing. Basketball appears to be on the upswing. Three, their three best players may be freshmen and sophomores for Joe Dooley. And the Pirates in baseball are, are in a great place. I mean, you got to wait for football and basketball. You don't have to wait for the Pirates in baseball. I mean, they're just ready to start kicking tail uh, starting today. Thanks for that question. I love delivering good news here on the David Glenn Show for schools of all colors, 1-800-849-2761, and for people of all colors, for that matter, as well. Chris Pitola is a former Army basketball star, a former right-hand man on Mike Krzyzewski's staff at Duke, and nowadays a fantastic analyst for ESPN and The Athletic and others. There's a lot of college basketball to discuss looking back at the week that was and looking ahead to the weekend to come. Chris Patola will help us do exactly that next on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> do we but, have uh, background music that's for that? Right. That's right. That's Bat There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Chris Spatola was a star player at Army, worked under Coach K at Duke, 
and for a long time has been an outstanding analyst for, among others, ESPN and Sirius XM and The Athletic. He joins us now to discuss a fun week that was and a fun weekend to come in college hoops near and afar and including ACC country. Chris, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. You don't have any, like, Valentine's Day advice that you want to share among your wit and wisdom before we dive into the basketball, do you? God, taking that advice from me would be a, a brutal call. It's a daily struggle for me. I, I, it would be like gambling advice. I'd be setting people up to lose and lose a, a lot of money, uh, ironically. You know what? One reason I run that up the flagpole just in case that you had a pearl of wisdom to drop on us, you have over the years stunned and amazed me with your knowledge of hip-hop, for example. So why yeah. wouldn't I just want to tap into the Renaissance man that much more? No, yeah. Well, you have to pick the right topic. Love. Now, I can write about love, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a daily struggle. It's a daily I'm struggle. with you, buddy. I am with you. Chris Spatola, you can follow him on Twitter. Send him your Valentine's advice at Chris underscore Spatola. I feel like we have three tiers in the ACC. There's a lot of ways to break it down. But I've got, ready for this, headed for a losing record. That's Carolina, Wake, Miami, Georgia Tech, and Boston College. I have you matter in the NCAA tournament conversation. That's not only the obvious Duke, Louisville, and Florida State, but UVA and NC State near the bubble. And then I have the middle five. You kind of look like the NIT. What would you add to that three-tiered breakdown uh, from your perspective following the ACC closely? I think you hit it right on the head, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty definitive. And, um, you know, it's amazing – those teams you're talking about that are either on the bubble or trying to make a push to the bubble. I was talking to Kevin Keith. I did one of their games uh, either last week or the week before. They're all blending together. But um, he brought up an interesting point. He said, you know, the way that the league played in the non-conference, and that's kind of the problem right now in terms of all the analytics that define what is a tournament team and, and, and isn't. You know, the non-conference was not great for the conference overall. And, and so when you get into the league, especially with 20 conference games now, you've added 30 losses to the league. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't if you don't have a body of work as a league outside into the non-conference, then it's going to be an issue. But but Kevin said, you know, at this point, if, if you don't beat Louisville, Duke, or Florida State, you're going to have a hard time building enough equity to get into the yep. tournament or make a case to get in. So. Um, I think that's that's the tier that matters right now, and everybody else, you know, you you just kind of have to win games, and you know, a loss, any loss outside of those three, ends up being a bad loss. With that in mind, Syracuse does play at Florida State tomorrow at noon, ESPN two. Notre Dame does play at Duke, four o'clock tomorrow. That is an ESPN game. Of course, we know the Cavaliers are on the right side of the bubble for most. NC State is close to the bubble for most of the bracketologists. When you go a little lower into Syracuse and Notre Dame, I mean, are, are we ready on February 14th to say, listen, Orange and Irish, if you don't go on the road and beat Florida State and Duke this weekend, you are officially out of the conversation entirely, and the NIT is the best you're going to do. Yeah, that's that's precisely what I'm I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, that, that's, you've got to have those, those types of wins now. And because, you know, beating, for example, Syracuse beating Notre Dame or, or vice versa or a, any of those sort of same-tier types of, yeah. of games, they're just not going to help. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to go and you've got to beat one of those three teams, assuming you still have them on your schedule. And everybody's running running out of those options. NC State is an exception to that. they got to take care of business up at Boston College on Sunday night, but then they get the Seminoles in Raleigh. Then they get the Blue Devils in Raleigh. They even have that return trip to Durham against Duke uh, later in the season. What did you take away from one of the Wolfpack's best wins of the season when they went up uh, up to Syracuse facing a desperate team, you know, led by a Hall of Fame coach, and after some adversity of their own, you know, the Wolfpack's veteran guards showed up, and they, I know Elijah Hughes was out, but they got a win in front of those Syracuse fans, and now it's the Wolfpack in a better position, and the orange fading into the sunset, so to speak. What, what jumped out at you the most? Well, and they did it. I mean, you, you mentioned the guards. They did it without, you know, with Manny and and, uh, and DJ both, you know, not really playing a lot and, and certainly not being as effective as as they can be um, because of the foul trouble. So, I, you know, I, I have felt all year, David, you know, as, as Kevin tries to build his, his culture and, you know, you, you don't ultimately do it, I think, until you, you either get buy-in from guys who were a part of a past regime or you get rid of those guys. But, you know, I have felt all year, like, C.J. Bryce and, and Devin Daniels, I think, fit who Kevin Keats wants in his program, what, the, the prototype kind of players that he wants, those two-way types of guys. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, Daniels has done an unbelievable job. He really has. Uh, all, all year, he's, you know, especially of late, um, I thought he was terrific in that game against Syracuse. And without him, they, they certainly don't win that game. Um, and as C.J. has started – I think coming back from the injury, I think as he has started to develop a bit of a rhythm, those two guys to me are the pulse. They're the compass for NC State. And then if Markel keeps playing, you know, look, he's been up and down. Um, I was, you know, I think, you know, there's a part of Markel that kind of wants to do things the way he wants to do, and it's not always the right way. Right. Uh, but when he's right and when he's playing well, they then, you know, that ceiling increases. So I've, I've said it to you every time I've come, come on with you. I think their talent level is tournament worthy. Uh, they've just been inconsistent for a number of reasons. But if they continue to play like they did down in Miami and then like they did in Syracuse, that's a team that's you know, should make a push. Among the games I'll be covering this weekend is UVA at UNC, another ESPN game. That's tomorrow night in, in Chapel Hill, of course. My question to you, more so than the teams involved, is regards college basketball. And I see you calling games beyond the ACC, so you have a broader perspective than I have on a lot of these things. Either as you compare freedom of movement or other stylistic type things to when you were a player or when you were coaching at Duke uh, or, or any other you know, sort of measuring stick, do you believe that scoring being down – that examples like, I mean, Notre Dame and Virginia played a five-minute overtime where they scored a total of five points, man. I mean, I love Tony Bennett. I love Roy Williams. But watching this Carolina team against that UVA defense, you know, it might be a punishment like you would get it as an Army basketball player for the worst thing you did at West Point. I mean, it's it borders on punishment sometimes. Is this a talent is down issue? Is this an officials need to blow the whistles differently issue? What do you make of it? Because for some people, college basketball is less fun than usual right now. Well, let's start with the first two things you said. I, I do think officiating has, has had an impact. Um, I think these games, I, I think they've tried to, to correct it a little bit. But every game I've done, David, they, they have been incredibly physical. 
and, and there should have been more fouls called. I don't want to belabor that point, but that is a reality. It's a fact. Um, the talent is down. There's no question about it. And, and, and to be honest, there, it's a younger, you know, even the talent that's there, for the most part, it's young talent, which is going to go, you know, the, the, the most consistent part of youth is inconsistency, particularly within games. So you know, that's a part of it. Um, the other thing is, David, we have teams in this league. Look, you, you're going to have low-scoring games for one of two reasons, either by design or you're just not good enough. You don't have good players. In some cases, it's both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in Notre Dame's case, it's, it's by design. Like Mike has always run a deliberate offense. They want the ball to see both sides of the floor. So there's an element of design, but they're also not a great team. It's the same with Virginia. Like obviously that's how they play when they had – first round picks they were still playing low scoring games right. so it's by design but it's even lower this year. I mean last year they were at least in the 70s most of the time now they're obviously in the 50s so I just think it's a common you know, look you mitigate a talent disparity by reducing the possessions in a game I mean that's where Tony Bennett has been a genius in all of this you can bitch and cry all you want about his style but he hasn't had nearly the talent that some of these other teams in this league have had and yet he's winning more games than anybody it's it's because that design he is he's decreasing the the talent gap he's increasing uh, or decreasing rather your margin for error and so by design he's he's giving his chance uh, uh, his team a better chance to win so I think that it's an aggregate of a lot of things David uh, two of which you mentioned and I would throw in I think we've got a combination of design wanting games to be low scoring and then. You know, guys just aren't good enough to, to put points on the board consistently. Last thing for Chris Batola, uh, given that you know the Duke culture really, really well, uh, Coach K sometimes wears on his sleeve when he's unhappy about things, you know, effort or intensity or focus or whatever. You know, like he talked about when the Devils didn't start very well up at Boston College not too, too long ago. But he'll also sometimes share when he's just, like, beaming. And I don't know how much of it you caught because you travel a lot and you might not see every press conference or post game, but when he talked about those four wins over nine days, you know, three of them road games, one of the emotional, one of them the emotional comeback at Carolina, but then two days later turning around and beating a really good Florida State team at home. What do you make, you know, as someone who knows how his mind works? What do you make of that beaming? Is he seeing most of the puzzle pieces fall the way he wants them to, not only player by player, but in terms of you know chemistry and other things that are important to him? Yeah, I, I think th there are certain games, David, where you know, especially when you've been in it long enough, you know when your team is starting to figure it out. And I think, you know, obviously that North Carolina win was miraculous, and beating Carolina, especially over there, is always going to make him beam. But to come back on a Monday and beat Florida State after that game, and look, I understand Florida State had to fly, and so don't don't tweet at me, you know, well, they had to – I got it. They right. had the same turnaround. But the reality is, like, that's, a, that's an easy game to lose. I mean, we said, look, we saw what North Carolina did after the Duke game. And, yep. and, and that, that game at Wake was not just about North Carolina not being very good this year. Like, that team ended up losing two games by losing to Duke once. So I just think, you know, look, you, you beat Carolina, which is, as we all know in this area, is a massive thing. And then you end up beating a team that they're competing with at the top of this conference and is one of those benchmark types of games. And, oh, by the way, you're having to do it on a Monday after you played Saturday. 
So I just think, David, he's done it long enough where there are certain – every game matters, but there are certain games that tell you more about your team, especially a young team. And I think that's where he's at right now. Now, look, they could lose to Notre Dame here uh, over the weekend, but the fact of the matter is what he saw from Saturday through that game Monday night um, you know, I think it told him a lot about his group. And look, and there's a lot to be happy about. I mean, that's two massive wins in a very short period of time. All right, at Hallmark.com right now, it yeah. says that what you should say to your spouse among the options is this. Especially today, I hope you feel how much I love you and how grateful I am to have you in my life. Now, I, I might say that to you, Chris Patola, but specifically, that's Hallmark's advice to you to say to your spouse. Uh, I'm just trying to throw you a bouquet, you know, since uh, you never let me down on basketball or hip-hop matters. That's my Valentine's Day thank you to you, young man. appreciate the time. Well, now you know my kryptonite. <laughs> well, thank you, David. Hang in there, my friend. Chris Patola. he is a, a warrior on the basketball court. He is lucky in love as well. I think he's better than he's letting on in that corner of his universe, too. On Twitter, at Chris underscore Spatola. Theathletic.com, ESPN, of course, Sirius XM as well. A fun guy, once served our country after being a great basketball player at West Point. Final thoughts, TV picks. I may have time for a last flurry of phone calls as well. It's always Jimmy Buffett taking us into the weekend, right? Got to have that. We're halfway to Margaritaville on a Friday afternoon. You know he has a concert here in North Carolina. I think a couple of them, one in Charlotte, one in Raleigh a couple months from now. You know that's not going to fly past my radar. His song is called Lovely Cruise. That's what we try to make it for you in the sports radio context five days a week. We're always thankful for whatever chunk of it you spend with us. Final thoughts, TV picks, as Jimmy Buffett takes us into the weekend Margaritaville style. That's as we come down the stretch next on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. For the record, if anybody considered this a championship-caliber edition of the program. No asterisk needed. We didn't steal signs from anyone else in the sports radio universe. We get our banner. We get to keep it there. Way to go, Charles Hadley. You were part of a championship show. Or if not, that's okay. If yes, no asterisk needed. Thanks to Kyle Busch for dropping by on his way to the Daytona 500. We had a lot of fun recently with Roy Williams, Wes Durham, Jay Billis, Kevin Keats of the Wolfpack, Mac Brown of the Tar Heels, Dan Schulman, and many more. We hope we've set you up for the weekend to come in style. Darren Vaught will be representing us at PNC Arena tonight, Devils at Canes. I'll be at PNC Sunday, Oilers at Canes. I'll be in Chapel Hill, UVA at UNC tomorrow night. Hope to see you there and hope to see you Monday right here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. Love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.